This is the murderer you know. How's it going, Mom? It's going well. It's going well. That's good. That's good. Except for trying to get public records and being told they weren't public records and that you couldn't have them. Don't worry. I already texted lawyer. <laughs> well, you know how they treat us old people. It's like, you too <sighs> stupid to live. We ain't answering your questions. <laughs> oh my. That is offensive. Yes. Offensive to you. Yes. Well, today. Yes. We're going to talk about what has often been called the most notorious murder case from our hometown, from my hometown. I guess it's not your hometown. Wow. So you be the judge. We've heard a lot of cases <laughs> from my little hometown. Tell us at the end if you feel this was the most notorious. Well, maybe it's because there are not that many crimes. I guess it doesn't. I think people that have listened to this podcast would contest that statement. Well, I meant in your small town, in your small town. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know who called it that. It could just be like one of those, you know, you can call things whatever you want. It might just be one of those best cheeseburger, like that cheeseburger place that's a few towns up. That's like best <laughs> burger in the world. Come here for your burgers. Could just I be know. something like that, you know? Probably, probably. Do they have this on the welcome sign when you enter the town? We have the most sensational murder ever. Maybe they should. <laughs> it's not too late to get a new <laughs> sign for the town. Well, that's true. They often get run over anyway. So I can't wait. I'm on pins and needles. Well, you wanted to call this, or you mentioned that it's sort of another Romeo and Juliet uh, 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. If that clues you, clues you into where I've landed for this week. I find it, I find it very interesting that Shakespeare had his finger on the pulse of the future. The future, even the though the man of, course, of the future. That's right. Even though Romeo and Juliet had no intention of killing their parents, but obviously in an updated version, this is the way that Romeo and Juliet could be together. Is I just feel like just find a new boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know. How attached could you possibly be? Well, as a as a parent, I find it appalling that after you've raised this child and fed them, nurtured them, and loved them, and they meet some guy and they're like, oh yeah, let's kill my parents. I just you don't get it. Listen. <laughs> yes. Leave something to the imagination. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we've already sort of shown our hand by talking about Romeo and Juliet, but get into it. Yeah. Our story does start with another pair of star-crossed lovers. And this time we have a little bit of an extraneous tag along that does just a little more than hold his cousin's gun while they walk to the scene of the crime, like another tag along that we had. So amazing to me. Amazing. Amazing. 
Yes. I was just reading something the other day that was explaining, you know, it seems weird to grownups when a toddler has a meltdown over the wrong colored juice cup or something. (laughs) But it was explaining that you need to remain calm and reason through that with your toddler because the problem is that the part of the brain, and I'm not an early childhood psychologist, but (laughs) essentially they were saying that the part of the brain that understands the reasonable outcome of the drink being in the wrong cup is nothing, that the drink is still good and you can still drink it. And it's just a color of a cup. They physically cannot understand that Mm. a little toddler brain. So I feel like (laughs) it could kind of be similar. You know what I mean? I feel like some of these kids in these really awful stories that we've talked about that involved children, I don't think they really were able to, yeah, it's a bigger deal than a juice cup. You know, they couldn't follow that bigger thing, even as a 16 year old through to the logical conclusion. They never got over toddler brain. But also, we've mentioned this before, that they claim that the part of your brain that understands consequences doesn't Mm -hmm. fully develop till you're 25. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of these kids are living, you know, they watch TV, they go to movies, they're living in some kind of fantasy world. It's like they don't understand that death is forever and that, Mm -hmm. you know, that if you kill somebody, you're probably going to get caught and it's not going to turn out well. And this guy that you want to spend the rest of your life with, well, he's kind of going to be in a different prison than you are and y'all are just never going to see each other again. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to break up after all of that. (laughs) They just don't connect the dots. Let's sort of start at the very beginning. Okay. A very good place to start. (laughs) It's summer 1992, the first week of June to be exact. Our Romeo 2.0 was 16 and our Juliet 2.0, 15. Actually his Uh. 17th, talk about a way to celebrate your birthday because his 17th birthday was going to be the very next month and her sweet 16 was right around the corner on the 9th of June. Just remember that day. Okay. I'm I'm pinning it to the wall. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's wall pin worthy, but if you want. Okay. The young man in the story the boyfriend, was a recent high school dropout and was described by a teacher as being very self-centered and not caring about school or anything other than himself pretty much at all. Friends' descriptions of him varied, but most seemed to say that he was a pretty decent guy, not a saint, but not a devil. Many people, including his most recent ex-girlfriend, so not the girl in the story, but the person he dated right before that, said they could not see him committing a violent crime of any sort. And some even said that he would never do something like that. Hmm. It just goes to show you that we, you know, we don't really know people. You never really know. And that's why you just never say never, never say never. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. 
This kid also worked on and off as a waterman in the local community, which is also something we've seen before. There's a lot of oystering and fishing and crabbing where I grew up. The young woman, honestly, from what I can piece together, she seemed a little bit more troubled, at least from the outside looking in, than her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was known to keep things pretty low key and mostly stay out of trouble. And I mean, this could just be a difference in parenting styles, honestly, because we'll see that a lot of the trouble she got into was with her parents. So maybe his parents were just more hands off and didn't care what he was up to. True. But she had been in a lot of trouble lately and pretty much everyone she knew said that she really And I mean, really, really, really hated her parents, especially her dad. Wow. Her dad was a retired army sergeant and she complained. You know, he was probably really strict. Really strict. Really strict. And he had the rules. Yes. She complained to friends, teachers, coworkers, literally anyone who would listen to her, that he was too much, he was too strict, and that the environment at her house was like living in the military. Mm. She was upset that she wasn't allowed to go out to parties with her friends. She was upset her dad didn't like her boyfriend and didn't want her hanging out with him or dating him. She was just generally upset with the way he treated her. She claimed that he was mentally and physically abusive. Several times, she even showed up to her boyfriend's house with bruises on her, and she said that they were from her dad. Hmm. Maybe he was kind of a brutal, oppressive father. I mean, yeah, we weren't there. Right. Her boyfriend wasn't there. The police weren't. It was just her family unit. They're the only ones that really know what was going on. And I am in no way trying to discredit her story, but I just thought it was interesting that she later told officers that her dad was never physically abusive. Hmm. That was something she told her friends, her schoolmates, her boyfriend. I don't know if she just didn't feel she could be honest with the police or I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Maybe it was just an attention-getting thing. It's possible. Anything's possible. Never say never, as you just (laughs) said. True. And as you said, we don't know because there's really only her version of home life left. Last little thing I have about her is according to her boyfriend's mom, she did write at least one letter to her boyfriend stating she wanted her dad dead and describing shooting him in the head. The mother read this letter? She found it in her son's room. Later or before? Yes. Oh, later. Yes. Okay. Later. Hold on. Okay. I was worried she found it beforehand and just like, I don't know ignored it well there was a letter like this found beforehand oh as well which is unfortunate but i mean we'll get into it okay but i don't know i feel like i mean with many things but i feel like in this case this one especially feels to me like it could have turned out much differently than it did we see that in in cases where you just feel like There was a moment, you know, if somebody had 
done something, said something that, yes, it could have been very different. Which really brings me back to the earlier days of our podcast, because lawyer would say that a lot. I felt like we were saying that a lot in some of our earlier stories. And I feel like, again, hindsight bias, I feel like our whole podcast, we just say hindsight bias over and over. And those are the only (laughs) words out of our mouth, but it's so easy to sit here and say, now this one event could have changed the outcome, or if this one thing had more attention, it could have changed the outcome, but there's really no way to ever know. Yeah. But I think back to our first, our original Romeo and Juliet and the young cousin who apparently was in to know about what was going to happen. Yeah. Carried the gun for him. And yeah. and yet, I don't know, didn't seem to piece together that maybe this was not a good thing. Yeah. Or tell anybody. Our third friend in this story, and he probably should have been a little bit more of a footnote, but he sort of ended up right in the mix of the whole thing somehow. He was a little bit of a troubled kid too. As recently as 1990, so two years before the setting of our story, he had been in a production by a local theater group. At the time, he was described as brooding, and across the coming years, some people found him to be very self-conscious, attention-seeking, and incredibly impressionable. So just the kind of kid that might pretty easily fall into a bad crowd. Yeah, sounds like a kid who doesn't mind being a third wheel, who just Mm -hmm. wants to have friends, wants to be accepted. buddy. He was also 16 and a dropout of a few months following Mm -hmm. a three-day suspension. And he was living mostly on the streets of Hampton Roads around the time of the crime and was mostly a friend of the boyfriends rather than, you know, a friend of the couple's. So he wasn't from the small town. He was. Okay. So they all went to the same school, but the two boys had dropped out. Was the girl still going to school? Well, it was the summer. So who knows what was going to happen at the beginning of the next school year. But yes, she was. Okay. Let's hop into some key events that took place leading up to this fever pitch. Why? Why did this girl's parents hate her boyfriend so much and forbid her actually from even seeing him? This is pretty critical to the rest of the story, I think. Yeah. If some of the information above about what kind of person this kid was didn't give reason for a parent to be wary, there were also several runaway events that started occurring when their daughter started dating this guy. In April of 1991, the couple and some friends packed up and headed across country without telling their parents. They got as far as New Mexico before they were caught and the girl's dad flew out there to bring her home. Wow. They got all the way to New Mexico? Yep. That's impressive. (laughs) I remember the one time I ran away, my brother, sister, and I got to the basement of our apartment (laughs) building. Well, actually, it was just me and my brother who were down there because my sister was going to negotiate a better allowance or some kind of terms with my parents before we came back. But uh, 
but we got scared down there in the basement and we came back before the terms were Basements negotiated. are scary. They are. You should have picked a nicer place to run away to. <laughs> we were like seven and nine. I mean, <laughs> I remember one time when my sister ran away, she hid in a bush in the backyard. <laughs> I don't know. Better or worse, more or less scary than a basement. Well, Might I don't know. At least a day, but basement, you're out of the elements. How long was she behind? I the don't bush? know. Like 15 <laughs> minutes, probably. I mean, I don't know. We were little kids. I don't really remember how long it was. Good grief! I don't remember that incident. I don't remember the great bush. I don't know if it even reached <laughs> the authorities, aka you and Dad. <laughs> I don't know if it even got to that point. Probably not. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't think my parents ever knew we had run away. They were just like, oh, where have you guys been? You guys were just outside playing? Seems fine. <sighs> anyway, so they, they had a history of running away. Yeah, these two also took off on a trip during the first week of June. So on June 1st, without telling anyone, and in her older sister's car, they just boop ran out into the world, drove away. Not a word, not a wave. Ta-ta. It's very obvious these two cannot connect the dots all the way to, this is just not going to work. They might Maybe to... they just thought they were like Bonnie and Clyde. They're <laughs> driving down the road like, all I need in this life of sin is me and my boyfriend, me and my boyfriend. <laughs> you know, I mean, they might've seen some movie about outlaws oh, yeah. or I mean, oh, kids yeah. are weird they are. are so weird they are they are they wanted to be together and they were willing to steal cars and take off yeah and be weird i mean there were a lot of other weird things going on during that week the week of june 1st so the young woman's family last saw her on may 31st mm-hmm the family were, they were looking for her. They were asking friends to tell her to come home. They were even looking for her at some of her regular hangouts and some of her friends' houses. But the teenager was just becoming more and more obstinate. Her father just, they didn't know what to do. Well, sometimes when your kids, they're out of control or on the brink of being out of control. Yeah, you do feel, well, first, like, well, what did I do wrong? And what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Well, her parents decided to disown her and disallow her from ever coming back home. That was their plan. And she was 15. She was 15. At this point, nine days until her 16th birthday. Mm, That thought never crossed my mind to disown my kids. Yeah, I think I don't have kids, so I can't weigh in. I just feel like, I don't know. I guess unconditional love and disown onanment are not mutually <laughs> exclusive, but it seems harsh. And Very her sister harsh. was really upset, super, super upset by this. And she cried for days, apparently, over the news, telling her boyfriend that she was really upset and that she really missed her sister and she didn't know what to do. How much older was the, the sister? Was she younger? She was older. She was right around four years older. Okay. 
And sometime during the days where her younger sister was gone, the family was packing her room because remember, she's disowned and not allowed to ever come back at 15. And they found a letter to her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. which had not been given to him, where she said she was planning to get a gun and murder her sister, her mom and her dad. Good grief. Yes. Now, at this point, the girl doesn't know she's been disowned because she's not home. Correct. And there were not like they were able to tell her. There were not cell phones in 1992. Oh, wow. So (laughs) I suppose unless she called them from someone's house or from a payphone, no, she couldn't have known. Okay. Starting on Monday the 1st. Our couple asked a friend to borrow a gun. Just to quick aside, they left on the 31st of May. Yes. But this time they hadn't gone to New Mexico. They must have still been no, in the area. No, that, that was in 1991. No so, one knew where they were, but presumably, yes, they were still in the area. They're hanging out. Starting on Monday the 1st, our couple asked a friend to borrow a gun. They went by his house at 530 in the morning and gave him a ride to work. And during that ride to work, they were chatting him up and they asked him to borrow a gun. They wouldn't tell him why they wanted a gun. So he refused their request. Smart guy. Yep. They dropped him off at work and he did not see them again. Mm. On Tuesday... The boyfriend's mom went to his room to wake him up for work at 4.30 in the morning, only to find that he wasn't there. Okay. At about 6 a.m., though, he did show up to his mom's house with his girlfriend, and he told his mom not to worry about work because his girlfriend was going to give him a ride. It was later confirmed, however, that he did not ever show up to work that day. So she had a car? Oh, right. They had stolen the sister's car. They stole her sister's car. But this wasn't reported to the police. I don't think so. No. Okay. They didn't want her criminally charged, I guess. No, but they were, you know, sort of similar to in the beginning. Well, we're still in the beginning of her missing from her home. They were looking for her. If people called the house, they said, hey, tell her to come home, please. At 9 a.m. this very same morning, so Tuesday the 2nd, the girlfriend's mom and her sister showed up to the boyfriend's house looking for their daughter slash sister and their missing car, which Uh wasn't there anymore because these two had supposedly gone To to work where they didn't go. We're now up to the 2nd. Yeah. Four days out from her 16th birthday. Seven days. Seven. Yep. Her birthday's on the ninth. I should have pinned it to the wall. (laughs) And between the second and the seventh, these kids were on this little runaway that I mentioned earlier. No one really knows exactly where they were. They were seen by that friend on the first. They were seen at the boyfriend's house on the second. But they were kind of missing during this time. They apparently did go to the beach at some point in time because the sister's car was later found there abandoned. Hmm. And they did hatch a plan to rob the girl's family to fund a trip to California. Their plan was to return to her home and draw her father outside with some sort of lie or drama, trauma, craziness, so they could get inside the house and take what they needed. 
And I don't know. My feeling is that this whole thing was a lie. I feel like this is just sort of what they told this third friend they were hanging out with in order to get him and the gun back to the house. So they just said, draw him out of the house. They didn't explain how they were going to keep him from going back in. No. All right. They had this friend hanging out with them. At some point in time between the second and the seventh, he linked up with them and he had that thing that they had been trying to find, which, like I mentioned, was a gun. So their plan is sort of falling into place, I guess, in their little minds. Yeah, but how are they moving around now since they abandoned the car they were driving? Well, we don't know when they abandoned the car. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. The next thing we know for sure is on the evening of the 6th, the couple was seen together with their new little third wheel. They were back in their hometown and they were being driven by his mom. So Hmm. all three of them were together being shuttled somewhere. I don't know if she had come to pick them up from Virginia Beach as possible. I mean, they would have needed a ride home from the beach. Yeah. But for whatever reason, by the 6th, they were back in their hometown. They were with their little bud and his mom for the moment. I feel like little bud needs a name. Well, little bud's probably good. (laughs) Romeo, Juliet, and little bud. I like it. I love it. (laughs) So on the 7th, their movements really come back into focus. And this is sadly related, but on the afternoon of the 7th, the older sister actually got engaged to her boyfriend, which is sweet and soon to be sad. Yes. Around 9.30 in the evening, the older sister and her new fiance arrived to her parents' house to spend the night. And apparently... They did this a lot. It was a normal thing for them. When they arrived, however, the girl's father was very, very belligerently angry. He was shouting things at them like, what are you doing here? At first, the young couple assumed it was a case of mistaken identity because remember, the younger daughter had been kicked out. Right. So they thought maybe that he mistook his daughter or her boyfriend, like just seeing a body for the younger daughter. And maybe that's why he was yelling at them. He was saying things like, get out. You're not welcome here. I don't want you here. So they're like, oh, maybe he thinks, maybe he thinks we're the 15 year old. Right. But when he and his older daughter went into her room to chat further and hopefully clear things up, it became pretty clear that that wasn't the case. Still wasn't clear to her what was going on, but he knew it was her and her, her boyfriend now fiance. And he, Mm. he was telling them to leave. And her fiance, yeah. And her fiance could hear his partner's dad shouting and saying all of this weird stuff that was completely out of character. And he was totally baffled because he had never had any sort of even slightly negative interaction with his future father in law. They had a friendly relationship. He had never known him to be angry or anything like that. So the whole exchange struck both he and his fiance as super weird. But whatever was going on, they left and they went back to his mom's house. So they left together. They left together. But things just were not sitting well with his older daughter. And she wanted to go back home and talk to her dad and see what was wrong. Mm -hmm. 
Her fiance, though, had a really bad feeling about the whole thing, and he begged her not to go. But around 10 p.m., she left to go and talk to her dad anyway. She promised she would call her fiance within 45 minutes after talking to her dad. Their houses must have been pretty close together. (sighs) Between the time that the older sister left to go to her fiance's after being screamed at by her dad for she didn't know why, and arrived back home, or possibly before she and her fiancé even arrived to her parents' house, depending on... Her fiancé had a theory, and we'll talk about it a little bit, if you think his theory holds any weight. But at some point in time in that window, the younger sister and her friends, well, friend and boyfriend, arrived to her parents' house. So we don't know if they were already there when the fiance and sister arrived. Yeah. If they came in that window of opportunity. Yeah. So on the other hand, why is the father so upset? Well, but moving on. Yeah. I mean, the fiance thinks that the kids were already there and that the dad knew things were about to go sideways and he was trying to protect his daughter. Hmm. And that that's why he was forcing them to leave, putting on this act, essentially. I wonder why he didn't just leave with them. I'm not sure. Unless he probably just a didn't theory. think he was in danger. That's true. He just wanted to deal with the daughter and her boyfriend. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet 2.0. Because, I mean, let's face it. Nobody thinks when their daughter and her useless boyfriend show up that Terrible things are going to happen. Right. Now, this next part is pieced together. I mean, most of this really has been pieced together from the three different kids' confessions. And not surprisingly, they all remember things differently. Yeah. Some or all of them could be lying. Or they're the bad guys, if we want to call them that. But the adrenaline and the trauma surrounding what they did, I'm sure, impacted their memory of the events. It's hard to say, you know, which of those is the case. Probably a little bit of both. True. But I guess the police would, like, if if two people said the same thing, they'd say, well, that, even though the third one said something else, that must be what really happened. Yeah. Or something. I guess they just had to do the best they could with all the stories. So for sure, we know they arrived at the house because they were there. So that part is sort of undisputed. And that's where (laughs) this next part begins. The trio arrived to the young woman's family home and her dad was the only one there. We don't have an exact time on this, which is why we can't be sure if the three were already there when the dad angrily ran his other daughter off. They went to the front door, but her dad, who was apparently, according to the three kids, drunk and belligerent, refused to come out and refused to let them inside. Remember, he had disowned his daughter during the past couple of days where he hadn't seen her and packed up her room and did not want her inside. He was apparently speaking to them in a very loud, aggressive manner, and he called them punks. Punk? Oh, my God. Triggered. 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 (laughs) Seems very, maybe the word punks carried more weight in 1992. Sounds like a scene from the first West Side Story, (laughs) where I think the, who were they? The Sharks and the Jets. Can't remember who was who, but 
I think the policemen called them punks. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very sort of 60s, 70s derogatory term for ju oh. juvenile delinquents. <laughs> I like it. I like it. The boyfriend, by the way, had a knife and the friend had a 12 gauge shotgun. Oh my God. So at this point, accounts from the kids become pretty unclear, but they all agreed that everything happened very quickly and that it was incredibly confusing. And the little third wheel later said, little that he bud, had, little, little bud, bud <laughs> later said that he had no idea, no idea any of this was going to happen. He thought robbery and then we're going on a fun vacation. <laughs> So the dad wouldn't let the kids inside. They headed around back to a picnic table and they were all sitting out there for a time, swirling their knives around or whatever 15 year olds do. And the young girl's friends decided to try and get the dad's attention again. And they screamed out into the night as loud as they could that she was raped and she had gone through all this awful stuff during the past week when she hadn't been at home. And her dad came outside onto the patio and he approached the kids and he called his daughter over and gave her a hug and apologized to her and invited her into the house. Mm. Before anything else could happen, before they even stopped hugging, the boyfriend stood up abruptly and started stabbing his girlfriend's dad a lot. I think that's called repeatedly. Repeatedly. A mm. lot was a quote. From the police reports. That's how it was described by a 16-year-old. They might not have known the word repeatedly. <laughs> now, again, their accounts are a little different, but according to the friend, after the stabbing, they wrapped the dad's body in a blanket and they dragged it into the garage. They did definitely do this. There's just a little bit of a question as to exactly when they did this. And after the stabbing, someone also slit the father's throat as he laid on the patio bleeding out. Mm. Again, this definitely happened, but the girlfriend said her boyfriend did it, whereas he was adamant that she did it and little bud couldn't remember one way or another. But he did help them move the body. And then they started frantically ransacking the house, looking for credit cards, cash, anything they could. Mm. Unfortunately for everyone, literally in the fucking world, their ransacking was interrupted by headlights shining into the windows of the house. It was the older sister coming back to clear things up with her dad. Again, things are a little messy here because these crazed children are the only witnesses to the crime, but she definitely came into the house and saw some sort of mess and blood. And she either went into her room or immediately had a confrontation with her sister heading into the kitchen. In one version of, of events, she ran into her room and locked the door and the kids were kind of having a conversation with her through the door and they told her to just leave, get out, go. They wouldn't hurt her, but they wanted her gone. And she said, all right, no problem. She would do just that. But when she left her room, her younger sister thought better of it and chased her 
attacking her near the kitchen. She shouted that they had to kill her because she was definitely going to call the police. And she said later that she just like literally lost her mind. She freaked out. She grabbed her sister and stabbed her. Again, she used the words a lot. So not an advanced vocabulary, potentially. I just, you know, there was something you said earlier about how the sister was so upset that her parents were disowning yeah. The younger sister. So she obviously yeah. loved and cared for her mm-hmm. sister. And was were there drugs involved in this? No. Wow. Yeah. I guess you're just thinking you're living in a scene from a movie that none of it is real. Yeah, it could be. I can't really conceptualize what would allow someone to do something like this and just I mean, I'm sure they didn't feel like great or fine about it, but they still did it. I mean, she had time. She thought about it. She went into the, she could have let her sister go right by. She went back over into the kitchen, got a butcher knife and attacked her. They could have tied her up. Yeah. And stuck a sock in her mouth and left her in the woods or something. If they were worried about her calling the police. Yeah. Yeah. They could have done a lot of things. They could have done a lot of other things. She also slit her sister's throat, which sort of added some weight to the boyfriend saying she did that to her father as well. Mm. Can't be easy to do either. I mean, your throat has this, it's it's just not like cutting through jello. Yeah. Then they wrapped her sister in a blanket and moved her out into the garage as well. And depending on who you ask, this was also when they moved the father. Likely, I I mean, you just wonder why they bothered. Did they think somebody coming in and seeing blood splattered every place would just be like, oh, they must have gone to the grocery store? I don't know. That's a great point. I don't know why they bothered. I think maybe they just thought like that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) You you kill someone and that's what you do. You hide it. You hide the body. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I wouldn't know. I I have no firsthand experience. Same. And likely around the time that all of this was happening, by the way, 1045 came and went. If you remember, the older sister left her fiance's house and was supposed to call within 45 minutes. And obviously he did not hear from her, but he continued to wait by the phone. As they were in the garage around 1130, they were interrupted by additional headlights i wonder why they were still there i don't know it's like for not wanting to get caught you spent a lot of time like lingering around well maybe she thought that the father had some secret stash of gold or something well he didn't listen because (laughs) i can't give the i this is one i cannot jump ahead on okay but you okay, will we'll see go. that there is not, there does not seem to be a lot of money hidden around this house. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing. So she thinks she's going to murder her father and sister and get enough money to go to California, change her name, live a completely different life. Cannot follow through to the logical 
conclusion. Well, there isn't any. Which was not that. Right. Like, yeah, now we're going to live happily ever after in California with the hidden pot of gold we found in my dad's safe under the bed. No. Not to mention, I would think you'd be haunted if not by killing your father, your, your sister. I mean, how would you get over that? And now you have to be in a thruple with little buddy for the rest of your life. <laughs> like what was the plan? I, I hate to say it, but maybe little buddy wasn't long for this world either. I know. As soon as I, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I had the same thought. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you want to get rid of witnesses. He's a witness. Mm -hmm. All they needed him for was the gun, but Mm -hmm. they haven't used the gun yet. They haven't used the gun. Why did they need a gun? I don't know. I just don't think they really had, like, (laughs) planned. A lot of the notes and stuff that were found, she talked about shooting her family. But, I don't know, in the moment. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they just, had never shot guns before. I mean, I doubt they knew what they were doing to shoot someone. Well, you don't need to know a lot to shoot, to kill somebody with a shotgun. It pretty much blows people to smithereens. So just aim in the general direction and pull the trigger. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, no. is that really any worse than stabbing somebody a lot? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So you mentioned it's 1130. It's 1130. It's 1130. For some reason, they're still lollygagging around in the garage looking for whatever the fuck a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) I don't know. They saw headlights. It was the two sisters mom getting home from her shift at a local grocery store. Well, so and you'd this, think the daughter would have known when the mom got home. Well, maybe, but she hadn't been home in a week. I doubt she had her mom's like, I don't think it was like you oh, work nine okay. to five every day. I think maybe she sometimes worked different shifts, different days. Okay. So this next part comes from the mom's testimony during the trial. Mm. She testified that she came home. The house was dark and quiet. She had some groceries and she was putting them away when she happened to sort of turn like out of her peripheral. She saw something weird in front of the fridge. And so she turned and what it was, was a piece of carpet that had never been there before a little rug or a piece of carpet. And so she thought, huh, that's weird. Walked over to look at it more carefully and it had faint red stains on it. So she's kind of. This is odd. What's going on? Getting her wits about her and something in the hallway catches her eye. She realized it was her youngest daughter. Then she realized her youngest daughter was running. Then she realized her youngest daughter had a gun. Her daughter approached her, raised her hands with the gun, pointed it toward her mom's face. Her mom later said it was about five inches away. She asked her daughter, what are you doing? What's going on? Please stop. She pulled the trigger, but the gun did not shoot. It didn't go off. Wow. So she had every intention of killing her mother. She pulled the trigger. Yes. 
after this, she and her daughter sort of gotten, they were wrestling. She was trying to get the gun away. She was trying to stop her daughter. After a couple minutes, her daughter broke free and she ran out into the garage and was shouting for help. And her mom's thinking like, I mean, all of this was happening so fast, but her mom was thinking, who the fuck is she asking for help? Like, what is going on? Who else is here? What's happening? And in this moment, the garage light flicked on and the mom, she was already heading toward the garage because she wanted to shut the door and keep her daughter from coming back in. And as she was shutting the door, she looked out there and she saw her daughter's boyfriend who she had been forbidden to see and another boy that she had never seen before. The unfamiliar kid was holding a large metal pipe of some sort. So she shut the door. She locked it. She ran to her bedroom. She barricaded herself inside with a chest of drawers and her back pushed up against that. And she started trying to call 911. Even have 911 back then? I mean, she said in her testimony, she called 911. So (laughs) unless she was like a, a time traveler, then I guess. I guess, I guess. We'll have to look that up. When was 1991? When was 911 invented? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just remember them naming and numbering all the streets and houses. I guess that was for enhanced 911. Because think about back in the day, and if you had a a lot of the lanes Mm. weren't even named. How do you tell someone where to go? Like the sixth big oak. (laughs) (laughs) Look for the sixth big oak after you pass the marina. You know, I mean, it would not have been easy. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. So she's trying to call for help. Yes, she's barricaded in her bedroom. She's trying to call for help. And she said during this time, she had a fleeting moment about a gun that her husband had given her for protection when she started working night shifts as a manager at the grocery store, hidden away in her closet, much too far out of reach for her to get to. So she's not in the room with the closet that has the gun. I think she is, but she's trying to barricade the door. She's trying to call 911. There's just too much going on. Okay. While she's on the phone, she heard a banging in the house and then footsteps coming down the hall and the kids had gotten back inside. The boyfriend started pushing on the door and while this was going on, the phone sort of fell from its perch and crashed onto the floor. The door opened enough for the unfamiliar young man to enter. And this is all a little, you know, the mom said during the trial that it was hard for her to remember all of the details because it was traumatic and horrifying. And at some point in time, this kid that she had never seen before in her life and did not know smashed her, like walloped her in the head with this fucking pipe that he had for some reason. I wonder why he decided, maybe they told him we've done everything else. It's your turn. I mean, why would, (sighs) seems very odd. He would step up to do that. Yeah. He himself said he had no memory of doing it. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know how hard he hit her. He just has no clue as to why he would have been compelled to even do that. But what Mm. he does remember, because I don't know how you could ever forget this, was that she did not even wobble. She just stood there like a badass looking him in the face and said, let me talk to my daughter. 
didn't wobble, didn't stumble, didn't even gasp for air. Just like after he stared into his soul. Yeah. After he smashed her in the head and wow. fractured her skull. Wow. Yeah. So, so she after- says, let me talk to my daughter. Yeah. And she only gets more incredibly just if we need a glimmer, she only gets more incredibly fucking impressive and badass from this moment. And she manages to convince these two boys who are in her bedroom, having just bashed her skull in to let her speak to her daughter. And she asked her daughter what was going on and where her dad was and where her sister was. And her daughter responded that they were dead and that her boyfriend's family was also dead. Wow. I Which was a lie. They, yeah, it was no, a lie. But I don't know. I'm just, why I'm just wondering she said that. if that was going to be the next part of the plan. Maybe, maybe. Except the boyfriend's family didn't seem to have any issues with her being around. So I don't no. know why, unless they had money too. So they had another pot of gold that that needed to be collected. Yeah, I don't know why she said that. It's never talked about Strange. again in any of the documents that I wow. saw. So her mom decided that she was going to try to distract these kids from all of this. And she decided she would try to calm her daughter down, make her daughter feel protected, make her feel safe. And she told her to come closer so that she could give her a hug. And her daughter obliged and they embraced. Her daughter cried. She was pretty hysterical. She said she was going to go to jail. And her mom said, nope, absolutely not. That's not going to happen to you. Here's our plan. So while the boys were cleaning fingerprints and collecting used knives from around the house, the mom took her daughter and grabbed the only emergency money they had stored away in the house, which was not a pot of gold and was in fact a hundred fucking dollars. You have to remember in 1992, a hundred dollars was worth a lot more than a hundred dollars. Not that much more. <laughs> what, maybe like $200? For 300 it's not like it was worth like $1 million. $1 million. <laughs> she also gave her daughter $15 from her own wallet. She packed a cooler. She got them some drinks. She grabbed she's doing this with a fractured skull. She's doing this with a fractured skull. Good God. She packed a cooler full of drinks. She grabbed them a bag of her daughter's favorite chips. She gave them her husband's car keys and she helped them develop a getaway plan. Her daughter told her that they wanted to go to California and her mom warned her not to call from anywhere along the road, not to call from California, that they might be able to track them then. And she told her to set up a P.O. box when she got to California so that she could send her daughter more money. She told the boys to take care of her baby. She made them promise not to speed on the way. And then they all headed to the garage to say their final goodbyes. I'm worried. worried. Well, as they were about to go into the garage, her daughter turned to her and said, Mom, you, you don't want to come out here. Don't come out here. And the mom said that in that moment, she just had this horrible stabbing realization that that's where her husband and her other daughter were. And it was just devastating. I'm sure. So instead, they all went to the front door. She waved goodbye. She gave her daughter a kiss. And the kids drove off into the night. 
Oh, Lord, I thought you were going to say they clubbed her on the head again. No, they fucking didn't. Her plan worked. Thank God. They trusted her. They believed she was helping. And I mean, maybe part of her was. I can't. She lost her entire family. Yeah, I mean, if three people were standing in front of me and one had just smashed me in the head with a lead pipe, I would probably try to encourage them. I'm with you guys. Let's just, let's get out the door. Yeah. And head to California. Yeah. And in some capacity, her 911 call must have worked. I feel like 911 probably was not as advanced as it is now, where if you call from your cell phone, they can triangulate your position (laughs) and come there even if you don't speak. But as they drove off, they heard police sirens approaching, but they were not apprehended. And they, they headed off for their California vacation. California dreaming. California love. So around 1 a.m., the older sister's fiance still waiting by the phone to hear oh from him. Oh my God. To hear from his new fiance. Finally got a call and he said he just knew. He knew it was going to be her, but he was devastatingly as we already know wrong and the call was not from her and it was instead his mom who just heard some vague details of the crime on the police radio calling to tell him wow yes as we've mentioned before you know anyone who is killed the ripple effect the people Mm -hmm. that are affected by this and you think about the poor mother who Mm -hmm. as you said has lost her husband her older daughter, and now has to send her other daughter off, knowing probably full well she's going to be caught and sent to jail. So she lost her entire family, and this young boy lost his fiance. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just ripples out from there. Yeah. So we have our badass mom waiting for help to come and these kids they're driving off into the not sunset (laughs) and i think we might stop here for this week because we still have well we still have a lot of ground to cover i don't know these kids might be apprehended even though they've escaped some sirens so far i'm seeing the whole bonnie and clyde ending here you know, what it, I don't, I'm not that familiar with Bonnie and Clyde other than that Jay-Z and Beyonce song. Oh, <laughs> what would a well, Bonnie and Clyde ending be? <laughs> oh my God. They were, you know, they were criminal couples, criminals, murderers who drove across Texas during, I mean, my God, the depression and just killed people basically Ugh. for the fun of it. Though they kind of purported to think of themselves as the new Robin Hoods or something. But the police and the FBI and everybody under the sun was after them. And they were finally, I think, cornered someplace and they refused to surrender. Well, that's the official story that they refused to surrender. And they were taken out in a hail of machine gun fire back in the day when, yes, Back in the day, I guess, when the police or the FBI actually carried machine guns, or maybe they had machine guns. Anyway, it was both sides shooting machine guns at each other. Machine guns everywhere. Yes. And I think they were shot 150 times and damn, died. Died. Up and up. And they had a little buddy, too. 
Oh, they, they did. Had, uh, yes. Bonnie. So and these Clyde kids and, are Bonnie and Clyde. That's what we yes, should have called them. That's right. Well, we'll change it there. Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> and little buddy. I'm trying to remember what their little buddy was. They picked him up because he was good with engines, you know, and they kept having to steal cars and he was a good mechanic. Oh, so it wasn't because he had a shotgun that they didn't even end up using. No, I guess life wasn't very exciting. He just said, hey, yeah, let's do this. You should watch the movie. I will. Sounds good. Marlon Brando. No. Dang. Faye Dunaway and God, who's the guy that's now really old? Salad dressing guy. (laughs) No, not him. No, this guy's still alive. Gene Kelly. I tried to think of his name. Oh, this is why I can't play Jeopardy anymore. Robert Wagner. No. Robert Wagner died a thousand years ago. Let me see. You know, he did not. And he in fact, it. he killed his wife. Robert Wagner? Oh, him. Yes. Oh, oh you mean, well, they think he killed his he wife. He did kill Natalie his wife. Woods. Natalie yes. Woods. And yes. I just it's beginning want... to look pretty suspicious. I just want, there you was another want... actor who was there with them on the boat. Oh yeah, that, that weird guy, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. His... I just want him to tell us what happened. Well, supposedly he was sleeping and doesn't know anything, but. Yeah. Warren Beatty. I don't know who that is. He's like the heartthrob of, he dated every Hollywood starlet known to man and he finally married somebody and had a kid anyway good movie you should watch it all right well so you're right this is Bonnie and Clyde and I remember my father who lived in Texas during the time Bonnie and Clyde were going around killing people my exes live in Texas (laughs) and he was very angry about this movie because he felt that it glorified Bonnie and Clyde, mm. that everybody thought, oh, wow, mm. yeah, they're in love and they're just having fun, driving around, murdering people. people. Yeah. No, that's and he, casual. Yeah. But he thought that was an outrage because I I guess if you lived in the area of the time, it was, it was frightening. It was terrifying. It was horrifying. Well, I am going to go watch Bonnie and Clyde. And while I'm doing that, (laughs) you guys can like, share, subscribe, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, give us a review on Good Pods, give us a review on literally anywhere, everywhere. Email us if you have something you want to tell us murderer you know at gmail.com check us out on instagram and facebook murderer you know podcast on both of those you can join our mailing list you can slide into our dms we can watch bonnie and clyde together the (laughs) options are sky is the limit you know we want everybody before next week to watch bonnie and clyde okay so we can talk about it Okay, we can compare and contrast. Yes. All right. Well, mom, see you there. Ta-ta for now. Did Bonnie and Clyde have a have a what? Did they have a a tagline? (laughs) A rat-a-tat-tat. Oh no. Mm, Great. All right. Well, toodaloo. Till next time.